Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. Commitment encourages and inspires creativity. So I think if you commit either to the art or to the money, your brain, because you're an entrepreneur, is not going to allow you to stay in one or the other long enough to to kill you. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. We could not do this without the community believing in our vision together. We Are LA Tech is independently funded, funded by you, the community. So to support We Are LA Tech, go to patreon.com slash we are LA Tech. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash we are LA Tech. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. I am so excited to have one of my favorite YouTubers here, businessmen, digital friends, now IRL, Cody Warner. Am I even saying your last name right? Yeah, I don't care how you say it. I'm just happy you're saying it. I'm, I'm super amped to be here. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you for making time. First of all, why are you in LA? I'm in LA because there's this big thing that, ha- a couple big things that happened and I just felt like, you know, like, my heart was calling, was telling me you must go out West now and like capitalize now. So really? I spent a whole week here. Yeah. And, and and so there was no like particular thing that was going on. I mean, there was a lot of things that kind of all sort of came together. One of the biggest ones being a collab that I wanted to do with a channel that's up in Seattle, uh, metal for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that we had been talking about that for like five weeks and just like trying to plan it out. We thought about meeting in Utah and finally, I was just like, look, Metal, now's the time. We got to do this. I'm just going to come to you. And yeah. so I kind of built it around that and oh. another collab. Um, but then, you know, besides those two things, I was just like, I have all of these people who have been with me yeah. from very early on. Yeah. And I just want to meet them and talk to them and so be with rad. them and just hang out like in real life. Yeah. You know, so rad. And this whole idea of, of from digital to real and just I've only ever talked to you in the comments. And now we're like having coffee. You know, so I just, crazy. I wanted it. Yeah. It's so crazy. Okay. Let me give you guys context. So Cody is amazing. I, I think I came across Cody from like a Casey Neistat video. And so he was in the side thing on YouTube and I'm like, this guy's rad. I love his energy. When I found out you were a skateboarder as well, I was like, yes, I, I'm on team Cody. <laughs> and then I've just been following his career so much. So I was so passionate about his videos that I posted on my personal Facebook, like, Hey, you guys, let's get Cody up to 2000 subscribers. And then all of a sudden Cody does a collab with a major YouTuber and he's like surpassing 30,000. This this is just weeks later. And so I wanted to have Cody on because of so many reasons. He's a creative talent. He's a businessman. He, he's a self to, he he says he's a salesperson, which trips me out because (laughs) I don't like, yes, but no. And, um, I, I just want to ask you so many questions. Cool. First of all, why don't you give everybody context because they don't know what I know. So tell, tell us why'd you start a vlog? Mm -hmm. But like, what is your vlog about? Mm -hmm. Uh, like business context, like yeah. who are you quickly? Yeah. yeah, quickly. So I'm an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for my whole life, but really br- uh, broke out into, um, you know, making money by myself for myself about six years ago, five years ago, started a business with two partners in video production. Um, we kind of built and grew that in slightly different directions. First wedding video and then pivoted hard to commercial video. And now, um, still primarily commercial, but have a new wedding brand. And, um, yeah, so on the career side, that's where, you know, that's where I make my money. But on the vlog side, on the YouTube side, it's about encouragement for me. So like, yeah. I've always been, I've always gotten life, like given, been given life by yeah. encouraging other people. Right. When I meet them, yeah. I want to try to draw out of yeah. them. What is the thing that you need? And I want to give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I realized YouTube is a fantastic platform to be able to do that right. at scale. And so two years ago, I had seen a Casey Neistat vlog. Yeah. And in this vlog, it was the first time I'd seen the format. Yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. Right. I have the personality to do that and the technical ability to right. do it. 
And I was like, I should do it. Yeah. I sat on it. I talked about it with Amber, my wife, for, you know, I think we had four or five conversations over right. the course of a year and a half. Right. And um, she's like, you know, we, we would always come down on it. It's not the right time. It's right. not the right time. Well, you have I, two kids as well. I have two yeah. kids. Yeah. And at that time, we had already had our yeah. first baby. And so at the end of 2017, yeah. I was reading a sales book. Yeah. And in the sales book, a guy named Grant Cardone said, if there's something that you've been thinking about doing that, you know, you need to do. Yeah. You got to stop thinking about it and do it. Yeah. You're just wasting too much energy thinking yeah. about stuff. And immediately the vlog popped into my head and I came home to Amber that night. I'm like, I, you know, I want to revisit this idea of the vlog. She's like, I think it's the time, you know, I think you, I think you're in, you've been talking about this for a year and a half. Like, I think this is for you. Um, I tested it out shortly thereafter. I went and grabbed some beer for a new year's Eve party and like made sure I could talk to a camera in public and not faint. (laughs) And, uh, and I could, and I'm like, well, now we're doing this. So January 1, 2018, I started the, started recording myself in public, uh, making vids, trying to encourage people. It started out as entrepreneurs and, uh, creators, right? That was kind of the target. And then at some point I kind of broadened it, but maybe more sharply defined it as the doers. I'm trying to encourage people who are trying to do stuff to get it done. I love it. I love it so much. Okay. I love it so much that I I wanted you you being here in LA on an LA tech podcast. (laughs) I was like, fuck the tech. (laughs) Fuck that you're not from LA. Like, I think your message is really important to share, but I think who you are and how you show up in the world is even more important to share, not Mm. just the message that you're putting out there. Mm -hmm. So I'd love this episode to be about who are you and how do you see the world? Because there's some things about you that really trip me out and mm-hmm. it's hard to wrap my brain around. Yeah. And I think they're a key component in creating the the amazing quality content that you create. Okay. But I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, let's get like, into it. Like on day one, you're a businessman. Right. You're a salesperson, which means you understand ROI, right. money. Right. Making sure that your time is invested well. Mm-hmm. On day one, what was your goal of the vlog? Because mm-hmm. your vlog is so pure and mm-hmm. so artistic and hippie. Mm-hmm. Where's the ROI? Right. Like on day one, not right. knowing if it's going to work or not. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a disciple of Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Uh, the idea that, you know, we all need to be thinking about what's the long play. What should we be investing time in? Even if there is no immediate ROI, yeah, like yeah, yeah. jabs, you know, jab, 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 jab. Yeah. And so that when it started out, I didn't have, I think, I think a big, and this is kind of just coming to me now. I think a big piece of it was in my career, I had stopped. I had almost completely stopped creating for clients. I was just selling. I was just pitching projects. I was an idea person. I was selling ideas. And as fulfilling as that was, and still is for me, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to like get my hands on something that I could control and create. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that idea. Yeah. So it was more of a passion for me to be able to do something that I really felt strongly about creation and encouragement yeah. than anything. I mean, that all that said, people will think, no, you're just trying to make money. Yeah. I understood that it was going to work as a fantastic marketing tool, just right. positioning me as an expert, even within my local totally. area. As this guy's on YouTube, he he makes daily content that he must be yeah. a good person to work with. Right. Um, so that was in my head. Yeah. But it really started out as a passion project of like, this is something I want. I want to, I feel fulfilled in doing this. Yeah. When I first started watching your videos and yeah. you were around, hanging around the a thousand subscriber count, I was like, oh, this guy's smart. He has a video company. I didn't know that right away. But when I heard that, I was like, yeah, now people can get a sampling of his work uh-huh. to feel more comfortable hiring him. Uh-huh. So that's where it made sense. But then as your videos have gone on, you've created the no small creator movement. Yeah. And you really talk about how the creation itself is huge, is massive. Don't worry about how much money you make. And I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. You're a sale. What? Right. Right. I don't get it. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great <laughs> question. I think, what is it? It's like so so often when you get the cart before the horse, when you, when your motives are wrong, people can just see right through it and they know you're in this for the wrong reasons. I'm Uh. not going to give you my money. Right. So if you, if my whole theory of selling of sales is 
I like, I love sales. I love being a salesman. I I love selling. I love pitching. I love selling people on an idea in like a pure way, not in a manipulative, whatever way, in a way that's like, this is what's actually good for you. I'm going to convince you that it is. And you're going to give me your money because it's actually what's best for you. Your the ROI on this is going to be good for you. Totally. Right. So it's the same thing with no small creator and with encouraging um, don't get me wrong. Like I want everybody to make a lot of money. And I think there's a lot of money to be yeah. made in this kind of video marketing right. age that we live in. Right. It's just, if that be, if that's your, your motive, you can get off course a lot quicker than if your motive is, I'm just going to make sick stuff. So, okay, here's where I'm coming from. Like on a recent video, you were having a call with your wife Mm -hmm. uh, and you didn't talk about what it was about specifically, but you were saying we were talking about financial stuff. Right. Right after that, I think is when YouTube featured you as a trending creator or like creator on the rise and all this stuff. (laughs) And I was like, I wonder what's going on on the real. Like, like it's really exciting that you're creator on the rise. I, as far as I know from my past history with YouTube, you're not making much money at 30,000 subs. No, like, I'm making zero money. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so, and you don't have any brand deals or anything like that, at least right. not yet. Right. You have some, I think in kind, like you did that underwear one. Right. That was pretty yeah, fun. But that, was, that was for seven underwear. <laughs> you know, um, you can't eat, eat those. <laughs> really fun. But like as an entrepreneur, I think sometimes it gets, no, I don't think I'm going to own it. Like yeah. it gets really hard to stay true to our heart and create mm-hmm. when we're feeling those days of desperation yeah. that I think are normal. How are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to pay for our team when, mm-hmm. when we're lucky enough to have a team in the place? How are we going to pay those salaries and all yeah. this stuff? How do you stay so connected to the art mm-hmm. when real life is still happening? Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I'm just going to be straight with you. I do not have good answers for these questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. So we at the beginning of this year, we had to do and you probably saw this vlog. Actually, um, we had to do something really hard. We had to let two of our team members go. Oh, I didn't be- see that one because we didn't have the money to pay them. In fact, we so we didn't have the money to pay them for the previous two months that we had been paying them. We went into an incredible right. amount of debt just to pay their, right. to pay their salaries. Yeah. And, you know, so it was a huge mistake. We should have just had the hard conversation two months prior. Right. Um, so we had to let we had to let them go. And then, um, you know, there. So there's debt on the business side. There's debt on, on the personal side. Yeah. Money is just such a it is such a necessity. We all need yeah. money yeah. to do good stuff. Yeah. Like money. Again, I don't think money is evil. Yeah, I, that's yeah. why I want everybody to have it. I think yeah. it it uh, is a foundation to kind of launch from. So. I kind of see it as uh, a pendulum or, you know, a mountaintop where say you're on top of the mountain. That's when you're like in this in this amazing kind of um, bullseye good zone of like, you know, your balance between making money and doing it for the art of it is like right, right in line. Everything feels good. And then, you know, on the one side of the mountain is you're just doing it for the art yeah. and you have no idea yeah. how the money's going to work. Yeah. And on the other side it's is like you're me. just doing it for the money <laughs> yeah. and you have no idea yeah. how the art's going to work. Yeah. You're just like, I'm selling out. Yeah. Like I'm just trying to make money. I'm trying yeah. to put food on the table. Yeah. You're going to be up and down yeah. and in and out and swinging back and forth between yeah. those your whole life. Like yeah. that's just how it is as an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's how it's been for me. Yeah. So if you find yourself in the, I feel like I'm selling out, I'm just doing these, these cookie for us, it's video. I'm just doing these cookie cutter videos. They're all the same. Everybody just wants an about us video on their about us page on their website. And I hate them. And what's creative about this. That's fine. That is fine. Keep doing it. Keep grinding at that for 10 years. You know, that's okay. But because we are entrepreneurs, because our brains don't allow us to stay idle in one spot. Yeah. For, you know, when, when it's not perfect, yeah. we're going to iterate to figuring out how to make the money and serve the art and, and do it from a pure place quickly, you know, or yeah. if not quickly, then slowly, but it's going to happen. And you're, as you're swinging back yeah. and forth, it's all good. It's all good. I think it's a gift that you have. I mean, you think we're all capable of just jumping into that zone at any moment? I think commitment encourages and inspires creativity. So I think if you commit either to the art or to the money, your brain, because you're an entrepreneur, yeah, is not going to allow you to stay in one or the oh, other long enough to, to kill you. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, to yeah. kill you. So 
And, you know, maybe there's people out there who have proved me wrong. Maybe people did die just like trying. They're just pursuing the art and they never yeah. figured out the money. But, you know, it's also the books you're reading. It's the people you're around. I don't. From day one of watching your videos, you embodied no small creator. You embodied huge. Uh-huh. Even though you didn't have subs, I I felt like like it wasn't in alignment with how huge right. your your quality and your art and your message was. There is something so moving and captivating and motivating in in that. And I I would love somehow for us to be able to share for everybody listening right now, because yeah. building a tech company, building, a, you know, being a creator, period, is mm-hmm. really hard. Mm-hmm. You're you're taking your imagination and you're you're doing your best to make it reality. Yeah. And we don't have a treasure map, but we all read the Gary Vaynerchuk books, the Tim Ferriss books, right. you know, the Cheryl Sandberg books being like, OK, they have the map. If we just like <laughs> do everything they, they did, yeah, like my right. big hero is Richard Branson. I'm like, yeah. if I just do everything Richard Branson did, you know, Shoot, and, he's my hero, too. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So, but then it turns out that I've discovered is none of us have the treasure map. Like right. I've been lucky enough to make, you know, uh, friends with some of these like influential people. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like I can't do exactly what There's you no did. I way. have to find my own story. And that you embodied success when you didn't even, you embodied that you had millions of subscribers when you just had a grand. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I think that I'm like, how? Yeah. This is, yeah. I love that. I, I, Esri, thank you so much. Like that means a lot to me um, because that's what I, that's how I felt, yeah. you know, from the beginning when I had a hundred, I started with 111 subscribers from college. They were completely inactive, but like it was one, one, one. That's what my, took a screenshot on my channel. That's right. Awesome. Um, and I felt like that doesn't matter. That number doesn't matter. You know, I've got millions yeah. and, and I'm going to make this for millions. I'm going to make this like millions of people are seeing it because that was a driving force for me. Like yeah. I do, Although I don't think you should focus on the numbers, yeah. I create, I take action as though I have massive numbers and I've, and I've always done that. So just the other day, here's a, yeah. here's a way to kind yeah. of put some teeth to yeah. it in the no small creator Facebook group. Just the other day, um, one of the no small creators posted that she was thinking of maybe pushing her release date back just for this week, yeah. but she wasn't sure how to kind of communicate with her audience yeah. about it. And I think, you know, I think she has not, not that great of a following, maybe, maybe just over a hundred or something like that. Right. And she was like, you know, I don't have a big following. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I might just say nothing. No one's really ever going to notice. And in that, you know, like I had that little, like that little twinge, um, same little twinge that I had when I was making the video about small creator, this small creator, that and I was just like, why am I saying small creator? I don't even like that word. Why is that disgusting? And I went on a rant about, and that's how no small creator was born. Yeah. This little twinge I had when she said, you know, I don't have that big of an audience. To me, I decided early on without maybe knowing it, you know, if I wouldn't do it in front of two million people, I'm not going to do it in front of two people. Right. I I realized it doesn't matter the size of my audience. I'm going to I'm going to treat it like it's massive. And so it just for I posted that to her. I was like, you know, you said you don't have that big of an audience, yeah. but if you're saying when you get to 60,000 subscribers, yeah. you wouldn't push your, you wouldn't push it. You got to treat yeah. your two people like they're 60,000 yeah. because people are valuable. You yeah. know, your audience is valuable. You got to treat them. You got to treat them like they are what they are. It's not, you're not doing anything weird. Yeah. They're just very valuable. They're giving you their time. So yeah, I've always kind of had this understanding of it doesn't matter the size of your audience. You got to give it a hundred percent of yourself, or else what are you doing? Yeah. Why are so Peter McKinnon is yeah. the is the one who did the collaboration with me I, at the time. He had two point two million subscribers in Canada. I came up there just he made this fantastic kind of like mini doc about right. no small creator and me. And one of the things that he says in that video is like. Cody has at this time less than 3000 subscribers, but he's working harder than somebody who has 2 million. I remember that. And, and he's like, and that's just what I love about him. And it's just, it's funny to me because in a sense, like how would you ever get 2 million subscribers if you weren't working as hard as, as if you had 2 million subscribers, you know, in a sense, when you have 2 million, you can work less hard. Like, I hope you don't. I hope I don't. Yeah, 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 I hope yeah. I don't work less hard when yeah. I've got 2 million, right? Yeah. I hope I work even harder. Yeah. But in a sense, that would be the time to relax. Yeah. Now is the time to work like you've got 10 million, yeah. if that's what's driving you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah, that's just a funny, it's kind of a funny thing to say is like he works like he's got two million, but he's only got three thousand. In a sense, it's like, well, what other way to do it is there? Yeah. If I'm trying to grow, I need to be doing this, don't I? Can I work like I've got two? Like who's gonna who's gonna yeah. join me if I work like I've got two? Yeah. Quote unquote. Again, I feel like two is incredibly powerful. So don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. but that's this funny kind of paradox about the whole thing. It's funny. It, it makes me think of for a quick second when I give speeches, I never care if there's one person in the room or thousands of people in the room mm-hmm. because I care about even affecting one person's life positively. Yes. Yes. So I give the exact same energy. I may adapt and be more personable if there's only one person. Yeah. But I'm I don't care. Like, right. It doesn't matter. And I, I I vibe that. But the one thing that I have going on that you don't seem to struggle with, mm-hmm. and maybe you do, or maybe you really just found the you don't have it, is yeah. sometimes I feel like I'm not enough, or I don't value myself, or what I have isn't good enough, or mm-hmm. I struggle with charging for something because I'm so much of an artist. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have doubts? Oh, I yeah, I have doubts every day. Because they and- don't show on the videos. Um, I try. I, that's actually a flaw of mine to not show my doubts enough, I think, then. Um, so I try to at least, you know, at, as often as possible, show myself yeah. failing, show myself getting embarrassed. And that's actually something I want to ask you about yeah. a comment that you, yeah. that you made on, on one of the uh, on one of the videos, yeah. um, the, the kind of podcast type yeah. thing we did. But to show me. So just the other day, for instance, um, we were driving to my niece's play and I was vlogging it. I was also editing my vlog while trying to vlog it. Yeah. And Amber was driving the car yeah. and the girls were in the back seat, and they yeah. were hungry. It was lunchtime. Yeah. And I was trying to get this vlog finished before we went into the play or else it was going to be even later than it was. And I was like, um, you know, I'm doing this. I'm almost done. Amber asked me, can you feed the girls? Like, yeah. can you go back there and feed them? I'm like, I just need a half an hour more. And she's like, okay, it's fine. Like, they're fine. Yeah. So we get there and in the vlog... I, you know, I say, Amber, I'm sorry I didn't feed the girls. And she kind of just gives me this face like, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, too. I'm sorry you did, too. Like, but show like, was it easy for me to put that in there? That failure of like, I'm failing as a father Mm. I'm failing as a husband. No, but I need to show people that I have doubts about my ability to be a good dad, a good vlogger, a good business person and a good husband. Like, that's a lot. And I need if I pretend like I'm good at all that stuff all the time, it's not encouraging anymore. It's actually discouraging because people just think, well, somehow he's doing it. There's no way I ever can. Interesting. So I made a commitment to myself that if I ever say in a vlog, I'm going to cut that. If I, yeah. So sometimes I'm talking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to cut that. Yeah. I'll always put it in. I'll always put it in the vlog yeah. because if I'm embarrassed enough to say, I don't want to show this to somebody, yeah. that means I need to show it because that stuff is the stuff that we're all struggling with. So, so I need to, you know, if if you're telling me you don't see enough doubt in there, that, that's a flaw of mine because I, I have doubts. I yeah. have doubts daily about, is this good enough? Are people going to really? like this daily? I'm very surprised. Here, So here's the thing. I was telling you before we started recording, I watched the 10 million subscriber with Casey Neistat. Yeah, I he loved scored it. 10 million this week, I think. Yeah. And um, he's saying that he hasn't been doing YouTube videos the last few days because he's having a personal challenge. Right. He's Some made a massive personal ma- issue. Yeah, right. He's never talked about a long time ago. PewDiePie made a video about um, how people, how YouTubers aren't like forthright with what they're going through. Casey made a video saying, I want to acknowledge this too. However, I consistently see in the major YouTubers that they're not showing their raw self. And I, I like to, I like to lead with my vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying, but mm-hmm. you're on my personal Facebook. You probably have seen some of the stuff that I'm right. just really raw. I, I do think sometimes potentially brands maybe may choose not to work with me because I'm so vulnerable. Hmm. And I see in successful YouTubers that they're not showing that. And I'm wondering, do audiences want, truly want vulnerability or do they just want to get that caffeine boost of positivity and drive. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're going to you for. Because mm-hmm. even in that moment with Amber, which I totally remember, mm-hmm. I did not receive it as completely negative. Mm-hmm. I Because the consistency of your content is so uplifting, mm-hmm. the tone I received it as is like, oh, like kind of like jest or acceptance. Uh-huh. I didn't see failure. Okay. And I'm not saying that your vlog should have failure. I'm just curious if, it would make vlogs actually or videos or content unsuccessful mm-hmm. to incorporate that. It's a little confusing when no one's everyone seems perfect. Right. I So I think 
we could potentially be undergoing a shift where vulnerability and authenticity in the real sense, actual authenticity yeah, in like a good way, you know, I know yeah. it's a buzzword right now, but um, is coming to the forefront. And, you know, the fact that Casey said, I'm going through this personal stuff, he didn't say what it was. Yeah. And like, I'm fine with that. Brene Brown, Darren Greatly, it's like, wait till you through it to be, to share vulnerability publicly because you don't want to be, whatever i'm i'm fine with yeah. that i'm fine with doing what you need to do personally to to get it done right but i think that brands yeah businesses yeah. actually are coming to a point where they're going to start embracing vulnerabilities much more That's and i think i think that we on kind of the the vlog side the whatever whatever we are whatever this social media push is yeah are kind of leading that charge of like brands. We need to know that you are not flawless. You know, when yeah. it, it, why is it weird to us when a brand makes a massive mistake? Yeah. And like, like that isn't actually weird there. It's yeah. run by people and people are totally. not are flawed. People yeah. are flawed. So I think that, um, or I would like to see us anyway get to a place where vulnerability is what's expected and required even to be yeah. successful, both in business and yeah. um, in like kind of the influencer world. It, so, so you say you do struggle with things mm -hmm. like most humans supposedly do, but never show. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you get past that? Like what are some of the, I know you have this beautiful video about joy versus happiness, which I really resonated with. Uh -huh. Um, how do you, maybe you want to dip in what that means. Sure. How do you get past those moments where you're doubting yourself because truly you're inspiring online. Yeah. And so I, I feel like, God, this guy is somehow hacked not having any doubts. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. So I think that you need to have a toolkit because no one thing is going to really like get you over the hurdle every single time. Yeah. So for me, one of the biggest ones is the commitment to what I said, the discipline that I'm going yeah. to upload a video every single day, regardless. And so for me, when I'm doubting whether this vlog is a good one and whether people are going to like it or not, yeah. the commitment overrides my desire to like, just not share it. Like I feel like I'd feel worse having failed myself and my own commitment to myself than right. having failed my audience and given them something that they don't really enjoy. Right. Right. So that that's one, that's toolkit number one, the whole idea of, of joy versus happiness. Um, you know, just that joy is a choice. Happiness is a feeling. So you don't always feel happy, yeah. but you can choose joy. Generally in my life comes from gratefulness. You can choose to focus on the things that you're grateful for yeah. in your life, even when you don't feel happy. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that, I'm drinking water out of a glass yeah. is a big one that I always kind of come back. Like the simple things yeah. I'm, I'm breathing fresh air. I'm drinking yeah. water out of a glass. I was able to drive to work today. Yeah. I have numerous people who love me and, and would hug me yeah. and would come to me right now. Yeah. My community, you know, when I start to think about those things, I become, I get into a more serene state where I feel okay about yeah. myself and my life and right. realize, okay, none of this is, as big of a deal as I'm making out yeah. to be. That's that's maybe tool number two. Tool number three for me is passion and purpose. So every time I pick up my camera, I feel like I'm picking up a vehicle that's delivering me to an audience who yeah. is looking, who is looking to do something, who wants to do something yeah. big. And I and I truly believe that every person has something inside of them that really has the power to affect and change the world. That's so rad, right? So yeah. I so. When I think about, uh-oh, like right now, I might be talking to one person yeah. who's going to get a small idea yeah. that's going to change something, that's going to change something, that's going to change the world. Yeah. I flip out. I get really excited about it. So just pick, just wow, the act so of picking up purpose. my camera, yeah. the purpose behind what I'm doing and the passion, um, like I truly found something that I believe in, believe I was... I was meant to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so when I, when I pick up the camera, it's like, it's an actual chemical thing. I think yeah. it now, you know, yeah. like any habit yeah, is yeah, yeah. where I feel this surge of what I'm about to do could have impact. Totally. 
Why do I picture Thor? Like yeah, thinking of the exactly. camera, like, I am Thor. <laughs> yeah. um, so you talked about something that was difficult, and mm-hmm. a lot of us have to go through as entrepreneurs when you had to let two of your teammates go. Yeah. Which is you to me, you seem like a heart driven leader, so right. that couldn't have been easy. No, it, was it was probably the hardest a lot thing ever. harder for you than someone that isn't as emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. How do you pick yourself? back up how do you believe when you go through such struggle as an entrepreneur yeah so i'm just gonna have to think specifically in that case you know i was really sad i went home i think i cried to my wife and i said this is really hard i didn't want to do this that you know these are my family this feels like family i feel like i let my family go and um I, i think i called my sister actually my older sister and she um, she doesn't own a business, but she's a business person. Yeah. And, you know, she said, look, Cody, we're all making business decisions like they were thinking about if this is what's right for them yeah. still or not, too. And yeah. um, even some of the things they sent when we when they said when we had the conversation made me kind of think, oh, like maybe this is good. Yeah. You know, so kind of thinking about some of that stuff. But just time for me, it, yeah. it was time. It took me like a week to really get out of the funk of. I mean, the other thing is like my accountant was saying, oh, thank goodness you should have done that two months ago yeah. or three months ago or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, you know, so knowing that it was the right decision in at least some way yeah. helped me. But I, it took just time to let that yeah. stuff sink in. Totally. And then but then the choice to remain focused on the good that we're doing, the brands that we're helping. um, you know, our, our one employee that we still, that we, that we kept. And yeah, the fact that they were able to now go out and do something different and yeah. new and trying to think about silver linings, you know, yeah. I, I'm an optimist, so I, I get there more, more naturally, but yeah. silver linings, I think are the saving grace of, of every bad yeah. situation. Yeah. That said, the caveat being don't, I, I'm a huge advocate of feeling sad when you feel sad. Interesting. I think, I think you when you feel sad, you need to feel sad. Make, yeah. like maybe listen to some sad music or or have a sad conversation with somebody. I you about this. I forgot about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, so it was when my, my wife and kids went away to New York for like a weekend and I, w- I just got sad. And my first thought yeah. was like, I'll just throw myself into work and I'll get over this. Yeah. And then I realized, no, that's not what I like to do. I like, you know, I, I would encourage myself and everybody to feel sad first and then be around people and then remember some of those things, yeah. you know? So, um, do, I think they're my, so when I was young, when I was very young, my yeah. parents got divorced and I ended up living with my dad for most of my life. Yeah. I lived with my mom for a year, my mom and sister for a year, and then the, my dad for the rest yeah. of my life. And my dad would always say, when I was little, I was yeah. seven, um, before bed, like, Cody, is there anything you need to talk about? Because in our family, we don't hold things inside. Yeah. So it, now in adulthood, it feels like to hold something inside yeah. is to is to try to pretend we're happy or to try to yeah. feel happy when we're actually feeling sad. So feel feel your feelings yeah. and then make active choices to be able to get back to a feeling state that you'd prefer to be in. Bringing it back full circle to business, yeah. um, since I know that that's where everybody gains value here, has the YouTube channel helped your business? Yeah, it has. It really has. So locally... And get- has it helped your business below 3000 or only now that you're at a lot more subs oh no it was below that it started helping and and it was right it wasn't because of my audience we haven't actually even figured out how to leverage my audience yet because my audience isn't local you know it's it's world it's international right so it's not like you know back in harrisburg pennsylvania people are like oh cody's a big deal they don't even know right so um we haven't even figured out how to leverage it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, but it was back when it, when it was below 3000, just this idea of, you know, anytime there was something business related, I'd put it on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I'd try to show it to people in my network. Right. And they would say, you know, I'd get calls. Um, I really like the video that you did. Can we talk about X, Y, Z? Yeah. You know, um, so just creating conversations, opportunities to meet up. Yeah. Um, but then also national organizations seeing a vlog and then doing some research on us and then reaching out and saying, Hey, we have a project coming up in your, you know, in your area. Would you give us a quote on it? Um, so yeah, in both, 
in both ways, both directly from the vlog, but also kind of using the vlog as a marketing tool to be able to start a conversation and get in person with somebody. Now, do you think a YouTube channel can help uh, a business that's not video production? Um, I 100% do. I think it's, I think, you know, there's obviously going to be, so it's interesting that you talked about video and like you seeing that I had a video production coming and saying, oh, that makes sense because it's kind of showcasing his work. Yeah. And then, um, you know, people would want to work with him. Yeah. Actually, I had the opposite fear in the beginning that since I was doing vlog style stuff and my video production is, uh, company is highly produced stuff. Yeah. That people would think, oh, they don't do the kind of work that we want them to do. Like they do vloggy stuff and we want something highly produced for TV. And a lot of my friends and peers are just like, no, like people are smart enough to understand vlog style is a different type of video than highly produced. Right. And that does seem to have been the case. You know, people will see a vlog, but they'll click into our portfolio on our website and see, oh, okay, they make TV commercials. Yeah. Um, So it it wasn't an issue, but... For that reason, I think that if you're not in video, if you're completely outside of yeah. even like media, yeah, I think that having a vlog, having a YouTube channel is a great way to show your expertise in your market. Yeah. Because like, you know, if you do textiles and like every, you know, weekly, you're like dissecting a new textile and you're like, and this is why yeah. this one's good and this is why yeah. this one's bad and this distributor people aren't getting caught up on is this a good video or a bad video they're just thinking about you as an expert or not yeah and so i I think it's a fan you know get your phone out make a youtube channel with your phone so that's an interesting thing about good video or not video and you also commenting that you're in your video production company it's highly produced as though your vlog is not highly produced (laughs) your vlog is highly (laughs) produced it sounds like you don't sleep um before we wrap up i want to dive into like the production side of yeah. it. Um, how do you manage your time? How do you plan out your vlogs? The question that interests me most regarding how you plan out your vlogs, how do you plan out your vlogs so that they have impact every mm-hmm. day? Like, mm-hmm. how do you think about the message? And you talked about this a little bit on one of your vlogs when you didn't know it was like a creative free flow and you don't know what the message was going to be by the end of right, the day. Right. But what's that look like? So I have an understanding of this now just because I get this question so often from Uh, from you know other creators but you know it took me a while to really figure out how i do ideas generally i'd say 99 percent of the time the idea for the day's vlog comes to me on the day of that vlog before 10 a.m so a a new idea every day before 10 a.m that's fresh to that day Mm -hmm. um you know and I, I think it comes from noticing what's going on around me and my surroundings because I have ADHD. Yeah. I notice a lot. I notice <laughs> everything. And yeah. so, you know, I'm making connections between things that maybe other people aren't connecting. And then that's giving me good ideas. Right. That continues to happen throughout the whole day. So as that happens, but I'm, you know, I'm working on one idea for a vlog yeah. as it's happening. I'm getting another idea for another vlog. So I'll always write those ideas down. So yeah. I, right now I have a list, I think of 200 and, I think it's at 62, 262 vlog ideas that I've never done. That's just in my pocket on my phone on Evernote. And I think having that list to fall back on Mm. frees my mind up to be, to have a new idea or 10 every day, because I know like I'm not concerned about having an idea. I'm just looking, I'm just open to them. Right. So I do think there's something there is something kind of special or different about me because I I have ADHD and I get so many ideas just naturally. Yeah. But that said, having that kind of pillow to fall back on of if if there ever is ever a day that it's, you know, 3 p.m. And I'm like, I still don't know what today's vlog is about. I can pull something up and be like, all right, you know, this idea I can, I'll do this one. Yeah, but you have the idea, but then how do you know, and maybe this is just the talent of being a videographer, how do you know what to shoot to tell that story? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's why I love it. It helps me to draw meaning from my life because the the fact of the matter is, as we go on, as we go about our days, especially as entrepreneurs, right. like we're not, we don't have, we have the luxury of not just only sitting in offices yeah. all day. We're, we're taking meetings, we're going places. Yeah. Um, we can draw meaning which is basically what storytelling is. Right. We can draw meaning out of every single day. Yeah. It, it's there. It's just a matter of finding it oh. and then, and then choosing what 
pieces of it are you're going to use to tell. That's great. So I wonder if I had like a journal, like a meaning journal. Yeah. Where I would like dot, I would truly reflect. And maybe it's just one sentence. Yep. Even if I was totally tired, I just wrote the one word or one sentence that that day meant to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, I mean, so that would be like, that would be the topic. Yeah. But kind of the story then would be, what are the threads that I would have pulled from this day to be able to, te- to be able to drive that, that topic. Right. Right. But how do you know when you're shooting? Like, so you said in one blog, I think you shoot like uh two hours, about of two, maybe an hour and a half yeah. more. Um, right. So when I'm shooting, like if I'm shooting before 10 a.m., before I get the idea, I'm yeah. just kind of, you know, whatever is interesting. Yeah. I'm and you're amazing it. at B-roll, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, whatever's interesting, I'll be grabbing it. But then when I get the idea, at that point, I do start to think about, okay, what else is going to happen the rest of the day? Yeah. And that helps me to, it's really interesting. I just did this collaboration with these guys called Method Box, yeah. who are like geniuses when it comes to brands and yeah. like building. And they just texted me this morning and blew my mind. And they're like, it was really interesting to see how you vlog because it's different than what we thought. You were actually editing before, like you were editing before you even started shooting. You were thinking about, what part of the day is going to drive my message. And then you would only start recording then, which then gives me less footage. So it's less editing. So I have more time to sleep. Right. So for them to say that and see that, I was like, that is what I do. But it's interesting that you called that editing because I just call, I just call that being selective with what I shoot or whatever. Right. Um, So yeah, once I think about it and what's, what else is going to happen, then I kind of know I have some indicators of, Okay, I'll capture this. I'll capture this. Yeah. I'll do a little talking piece here. Uh, you know, this this idea is about the free flow of thought and yeah. ideas. So I'll get some flowing water or like something yeah, that yeah, can yeah, visually yeah. represent that. And and then you know, oftentimes I'll I'll go out of my way to go get some of those shots. Yeah. You know, I won't. I will have to go out and do something more creative yeah. instead of document documentarian but yeah that's what it, that's what it is for me which is kind of exciting because it's like a little adventure exactly you know your process makes me think of something that came to mind only in the last couple of days i've uh i've i've been wanting to simplify my life my life is very complicated uh, yeah. actually i don't know if you're familiar with the business person tucker max he's also an author and i had um the opportunity to learn from him and he yeah. goes spree you overcomplicate everything. Yeah. And I was like, let me just sit with that because I really respect you as a businessman. So I just want to like see if there's any truth to that. Yeah. And I started to ask myself, are the actions I'm taking each day, like everything that I have in my calendar in alignment with the like two to three things I want out of my life? Beautiful. Adventure, purpose, connection. If I'm not feeling adventure, purpose or connection and maybe a state of ease, like should I be doing that thing? Wow. Remember, I even told you the other day I was going to go to a movie. Yeah. And then I asked myself, is that contributing to adventure connection? I'm like, no, because I was going to go by myself and it's just stressing me out to put something else. And why yeah. do I need to go to this why movie? Why am I doing this? Yeah. And so I feel like your editing process or your your pre, <laughs> pre your selection process yeah. is kind of like that. Like, is it in alignment with what I want out of my day and mm-hmm. out of the message? Um, mm-hmm. And when do you sleep? <laughs> so I, I generally sleep from I from 11 p.m. to 3 or 4.30 a.m. And is that comfortable for you or is that a sacrifice? Oh, that's a, that's a huge sacrifice. I love sleep. In college, I slept 12 hours a day. I love sleep. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a massive sacrifice, but I just don't care. I feel like now's the time to capitalize. And, and if I have to give up sleep, I'm doing it. Um, yeah, I think, I think you said you had a question that you wanted to ask me. Right. What was that? Yeah, so the question is... Um, so, and it's interesting. So I've been, I've been so cognizant of it this entire interview. I have a tendency just as a human, yeah. I, I like to think it's, it's not because I'm a man and you're a woman, yeah. but to cut in when people are talking to like start talking over people. And, and, and so that's something that you commented on one of Amber's <laughs> and my coffee on the couch yeah. in the comments. You're like, Cody, I noticed, I, I don't know. You might've actually just messaged me. You might not have even done it publicly. You might have just messaged me and I said, I noticed that. Yeah. Right. And, and another one of my female friends did the same exact thing. A private message, like unwilling to call me out in public, which I, which any, anybody ever in the future feel 100% free to call me out in public. I think that everybody needs to be called to the carpet on stuff that they're doing wrong. Messaged me privately and said, I noticed that you talk over Amber a lot. Like you don't let her finish her... Um, some of her thoughts and you kind of jump in. I just think it's, I think you said, I just think it's something you need to think about. Like, 
Yeah. You're you're a role model. Just think about it, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I just wanted to I just wanted to to ask you about a that in our interview now. Yeah. This what what just happened, you know, yeah. like how many times did you notice like why is he talking right now when I when I'm talking? And then B for you as a woman as a startup. Yeah. You know, what do we need to do as a society? to put an end to the whole 80%, you know, in a meeting, 80% of the conversation is dominated by the man. So two things. Um, I do have an alternative viewpoint that I think most women don't share on the second question. But Uh the first question, I actually noticed how you didn't cut me off. I, I, not that I was thinking about it, Mm -hmm. but I was ready in case I needed to, if you were talking on a long tangent or something. I mean, I'm a, panel moderator like you know <laughs> yeah and you didn't do it once so i was like oh that was really easy it was because i was thinking about it i surely would have done it had i not been thinking about it <laughs> you didn't do it once and i was like ready for it yeah so i was really surprised okay. um and i actually would have hoped that if i was not making sense or speaking in a uh, way that's not very engaging that you would cut me off because right i sh- i show up to this we are la tech podcast for everyone listening right now. Like mm-hmm. when I look at the mic, like you look into your, your camera and you yeah. see millions of people. I see my, I see tons of my, Sick. you know, audio friends. I feel like I'm painting audio. And the last thing I want to do is waste anyone's time. Yeah. And so if I'm being boring, I would hope that you jump in mm-hmm. because I could get scattered too. Right. Especially because I'm so excited, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, you didn't cut me off. Um, and the thing about jumping in on Amber It was more just, I don't think it was like a male-female thing. It was like allowing your wife a moment to share her thoughts, I guess. It wasn't like an aggressive As male-female, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, allowing a moment. And I was like, oh, maybe they have an understanding in their relationship that I'm not aware of. You said that even. Yeah. You even said that. You're like, I don't want to step on your toes. Like, I don't know your relationship. I'm just thinking this. Yeah. Which I really um, appreciated. But yeah, and then the, the, to answer the second question, Mm -hmm. I hear this thing a lot. And for all of you that don't agree with me, this is just what I think. Sorry. Um, I think, yeah, (laughs) I think this thing a lot that, or I hear this thing a lot that we need to change how we are to make girls. I hear it a lot with like female hackathons, young girls, make girls feel more comfortable in a hackathon. We need to be more cajoling. We need to be more soft and sensitive and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad was a huge influence in my upbringing and the world doesn't, you know, change to what we want. We need to feel strong within ourselves and we need to believe in ourselves. And I'm a podcaster and my message amongst everything that I do as an artist is um hoping to inspire people to believe in themselves. My women in tech podcast, the whole reason it exists is I want to show people examples of what's possible for them. And to start to adapt in order to make for a friendlier environment just for women, I don't think it's real. It's not reality. I'd much prefer um, our parents, our mentors, our society um, make us feel more confident as people, male or female. Just I want to feel confidence. I want to feel enough. I ask myself all the time. This is interesting. This is something I've been dealing with. Um, unfortunately really hardcore this week, but of course throughout my life is this week, I've been feeling a lot of, I am not enough. And I'm like, where does that come from? Where did that start? And I'm pinpointing back. Okay. That started as a kid. And now how am I seeing the world to match this negative belief system? How am I making it? So when people see me, I'm translating into, Oh, they must not think I'm enough. Therefore I'm not enough. But it all started with me not thinking I'm enough. And the reason I pinpoint that is because it's not about, being more cajoling to make someone feel comfortable because if I felt confident and enough, you couldn't take me off my, my, my strength because my power is from within. And I rather create an environment where we could all feel our own power within, whether it be male, female, whoever, than like pretending that we could change reality to match whatever insecurities we have all the time. So we don't have them. I mean, it's just, it's not real. Uh It's, yeah, it's not reality. It's not how it's going to. No, happen. it's going to happen by empowering and raising. And yeah. yeah, I hear. I mean, and you're speaking to a man with two daughters. Yeah. Right. Again, going back to your question, like, what do we do 
to um, to make your exact question is what do we do so that it's not 80 20 and men aren't over talking women? It's not adapting and changing the environment. I mean, maybe there's a conversation that could be had regarding that. Mm -hmm. But I think a more important conversation is uh, is building up ourselves and one another so that we feel strong and we feel the confidence to communicate our thoughts. We feel the security that um, if someone's not going to agree with us, it's still okay for us to speak. Like it's more about coming from within and then um, more women will speak up. Regardless of gender, we'll just be having conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Let's commit to changing it. Yeah. And so that's what you could do for your daughters. You could be, you could constantly tell your daughters even the words, you are enough. You are like, enough. You are enough. Yeah. All the time. Like their whole upbringing. You are enough. Mm-hmm. You're enough. You are valuable. You're mm-hmm. awesome. You're mm-hmm. enough. You're enough. You're capable of accomplishing anything that you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You are enough. So. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you're you. <laughs> um, so, but, uh, so before we sign out, how can uh-huh. people reach you? Where can they find you oh, on social? Yeah. So on social, uh, best place is YouTube. Yeah. YouTube's where I'm at. It's my channel is youtube.com slash R Cody Warner. R-C-O-D-Y-W-A-N-N-E-R. Perfect. And uh, yeah, you guys, I hope you have loved this interview as much as I have loved being here. I feel that it's an absolute gift that I get to meet Cody in real life, that I got to discover him and I get to be a part of his journey while he's on his journey. It's just amazing to connect with other incredible uh, people in the Los Angeles tech community. Remember, you could go to wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP. Remember, say hello on social at wearelatech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will talk to you guys, see you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. We are LA Tech is independently funded by the community. We couldn't make this happen without your support. If you too want to contribute to We Are LA Tech and see us making the podcast, building the mobile apps, creating the events year after year, consider contributing at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash we are LA Tech. Thank you. We appreciate you. My name is Cody Warner. I have a company called Cap Collective Video Production. We do highly produced commercial video. Currently visiting Los Angeles from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at We Are LA Tech dot love linked in the show notes.